Hi everyone, Steve here. Before we get started with the show, this is just to say that if you are enjoying the podcast, think about leaving a rating or review on your podcatcher of choice. You can find more ways to support the show at rootboundpodcast.com slash support. You're listening to Rootbound, a podcast about plants for when you're stuck inside. Wait! Don't touch that plant! Rootbound is sponsored by Poison Ivy. If you like rashes, go ahead. But if you don't, don't touch that plant! So, I'm walking through a little forest here with uh, with my friend Sebi. Uh, hey, how's it going Sebi? Hey, good to be here. We're just looking through this forest for a certain plant. Uh, Sebi, do you want to share what that is? The plant is the pawpaw. The pawpaw. And you'll learn a little bit more about the pawpaw later in the episode, but just know that it is uh, North America's largest tree fruit and it grows in uh, near water. Maybe you talk a little bit where it grows and where we are. Yeah, so I'm not a botanist, <laughs> but I've been hunting and eating pawpaws my entire life as a Southern Maryland native, uh, literally native Piscataway person. Um, this fruit obviously has been here since prior to European arrival and uh, was an important part of the Piscataway diet. That being said, some things never change, and it was an important part of our diet during maybe two weeks of the year. Uh, this was not something that uh, was considered you know, a staple by any means, uh, just because of its seasonality. Um, pretty much as soon as they're ripe, they're rotten. So you really have a very short window of the year, usually in you know, early, mid-September, where these fruit are so abundant that basically you can never really uh, eat all of them because uh, you're, you're sick and tired of them uh, by the time you're by the time they're uh, in season so yeah that's that's a very very fun thing about them because they have this very limited window so um, we're going to keep looking for some we'll check back into the episode but in the meantime enjoy the this interview about pawpaws now when you pick a pawpaw or a prickly pear and you prick a raw paw well, next time, beware. Don't pick the prickly pear by the paw. When you pick a pear, try to use the claw. But you don't need to use the claw when you pick a pair of the big paw paws. Hi, Tara. Welcome to Rootbound. Hi, Steve. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. Do you have a plant to share with us today? Yes. Um, the plant I'm going to talk about is the paw paw. If you have Caribbean listeners, um, I mean the American Wait, hold, pawpaw, not... hold right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wait, I have to, before we continue, I want you to say that again, but I have to play this sound, which that sound, if, if you've listened to some episodes, means that this is a special episode where we're only going to talk about one plant because pawpaw is on my secret list of plants. So, <gasps> oh, so you're going to talk about pawpaws, but I've got a few, I got a few personal anecdotes I can share about pawpaws. Okay. Uh, and so I'm excited to talk to you about Papa's. But yes, let's There's talk about that name <laughs> like you were just going to describe. Uh -huh. No, no, not more pressure. Okay. No, not more pressure. I'm okay. not an expert. I'm just a fan. Um, okay. 
but but yes, you were <laughs> you were gonna say something about the name Papa, and and for our Caribbean friends, that's where I cut you off. And apologies for that. Yes, um, I um, learned that um, in the Caribbean, the papaya is often referred to as a papa. And the way I found this out was I had a stash of them that I offered to a friend. And she took them home and shared them with her mom. And when I asked her how she liked them, she said, well, at first we thought there was something wrong with them. They weren't like anything we'd ever seen. And she um, turned to the Internet, as many of us do. And that's when she realized I was talking about something completely different. So, um, yeah, I mean, the uh, the custardy fruit, not the bright orange beauty. Very, very good. Well, let's get into that fruit a little bit, because this is super fascinating, I think. Some people know about the papa. I think it's got a little bit more popularity in recent years, but I still think most yeah. people have no idea. So maybe describe it, the fruit, and what what can you tell us about this plant? Sure. So, um, and I guess, yeah, you said um, some people know about it, and I guess it's kind of gaining in popularity. And um, in my research about it, um, there were a few nicknames I came across, and um, some of them I knew, um, but they're, my favorites were Kentucky Banana, Quaker Delight, Hillbilly Mango, which was new to me, and Hipster Banana. That, um, so apparently that uh, it's really <laughs> caught on. But it looks um, kind of like a mango, like the larger sort of common mangoes that you see, like as far as like the size of it goes. And when you cut it open, um, it's custardy looking inside, like a yellow white custard, and it's got these big black seeds in it. Um, honestly, it's not the most attractive fruit, I don't think, um, but it, mm-hmm. it tastes delicious, though. Um, I know that um, a lot of people compare it to having a banana flavor, which I kind of pick up on, but I think there's more tropical fruits at play. There's a little mango in there sometimes. Sometimes there's like a little pineapple action. Um, and I want to mention um, for anybody that is going to like rush out and get one, don't eat the seeds, don't eat the skin because you, <laughs> I don't know if you'll die, but you won't feel well afterwards, though. <laughs> and um, and I had only really heard about them as being like a Midwestern or um, a Southern thing. Um, I know um, in the South, they make like um, sort of like almost like a banana bread out of them, but with pawpaws. And one of my coworkers grows them. And he's sort of um, crazy about them. It's like his mission to, you know, (laughs) let everybody know about them. So, you know, every September he will come into work with boxes full of them. And um, not everybody likes them, which is good for me because I always end up taking them home. And um, it's um, it's uh, it was a delight to discover a new fruit and. It sort of inspires me as a cook because I always think, what can I do with this? What can I make with this? But I never do or make anything because I just eat them um, because they're just so delicious. I just eat them steadily. (laughs) Um, I have um, some random facts about them if you uh, would like to know some more. They are America's oldest native fruit. And this is um, one of the things that Joe, my coworker, mm. will tell you about over and over. Um, and I also read that um, they uh, were originally, the seeds were dispersed by like giant mastodons and um, 
the uh, like these huge prehistoric sloths, which is kind of cool. Um, and then you know, yes, came along that's and, one and, of my favorite and, facts. Yeah, it's so awesome, right? It's it's just so metal. Yeah. And then like, humans came along and you know did what they do to you know, and then they I guess um, seeds were sort of dispersed by planting, and probably also the same way the animals. Did. You're right. If you look at the seeds, they're like these really big seeds. And from what I read about the giant sloth, is that they're. Uh, there's not an animal that lives in North America now that can actually like swallow that seed hole and actually like pass it effectively to plant them. And so that's why they think it was uh, evolved to uh, be eaten by giant sloths. That's really cool. I did not know that. That's fantastic. The um, Yeah. And the seeds are so, they're so tactile. They're so much fun to like just sort of hold and, and like rub around and stuff like that. Like they're like a giant bead or something. They're, they're, they're very entertaining. I've, I've always thought about maybe trying to like make a, like a necklace out of them or something because they Me do too. look like yeah, big, like a little carving or like, something. Yeah. Yeah, they they look like beads, big beads. Anyway, um, yes. What 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 else can you tell us about the papa? Um, I can tell you that um, their leaves and I believe the seeds and the bark. Um, they all are sort of like a natural insecticide. So. Um, and there's one butterfly, um, I wrote it down, hang on, uh, the zebra swallowtail that it, its larvae will feed on the, on the leaves. Um, they're not bothered by, by whatever this compound is. And whatever that compound is um, sort of stays within the butterfly's body. So that makes the butterfly unpalatable to birds. So it's sort of like a, a natural defense system that's built in there, which is pretty cool, right? Cool. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, I had heard about the zebra swallowtail, but I'd never seen one. But I didn't know any of those details. I just knew it was associated with a pawpaw tree. And every time I'm near a pawpaw tree, I'm like looking for a zebra swallowtail, mm-hmm. but I unfortunately have never seen one. Um, I just read, um, though, that zebra swallowtails, I guess, um, they like parsley as well. So if you've got parsley growing in your garden, um, the they may feed on that. So that's uh, another way you might be able oh. to see one. Yeah. I don't know if it's curly or Italian, though. You might want to plant both just in case. And um, this I have verified. Yeah. If you rub the leaves of the uh, pawpaw, they have like sort of like a, a green pepper kind of smell, like a very vegetal smell. Mm. And um, I haven't actually smelled the flowers, but the flowers are reported to smell like um, either like rotting meat or um, some people just describe mm. it as like a very yeasty bread. Um, I think it depends on like what the cultivar is as far as how much stink you're going to get from them. But other people have said that they don't really <laughs> notice any smell. So, you know, I guess it's like a crapshoot if you're going to plant them. Have you ever smelled the flowers? Like, are you out and so about? Like, do you have access to a lot of the trees or? Yeah, you know, I mean, going to some of my pawpaw experience, I, I, I'll, I'll maybe tell a little bit later, but I try to go mm-hmm. foraging for them every year around September, as, as you mentioned, that's when they're ripe. Mm-hmm. But that the side effect of that is I've never been looking at them or looking for them earlier in the year when the flowers are there. Yeah. So I've actually never yeah. seen a pop-off flower in real life. I've only seen the fruit. Well, that can be our mission then to, you know, con- confirm the stink. <laughs> yes, that next Yes, next year. But yeah, they're really interesting looking flowers, at least if you Google them, audience. Uh, they don't look like your average flower, I would say. They look alien almost. You know, they, they look like... Um, yeah. To me, they almost look sort of like a carnivorous plant sort of thing. Like it looks like something that, you know, if you get too close, it's going to take a bite out of you. They're beautiful. It's a, a nice color and they have an interesting shape, but I wouldn't want them in like a bridal bouquet. though. 
<laughs> That's a good point. I, I do think that the reason they stink is they're also one of those plants that is pollinated by flies and not by other yes. Uh, like yes. bugs that like, like sweet things. Yes. I um, stumbled into a grower's forum and um, somebody was asking a question. They were lamenting the fact that their pawpaws were flowering, but um, the flowers are dropping off and they weren't getting any fruit. And um, the, a lot of readers chimed in with suggestions, and um, one of which, I guess, uh, what farmers used to do, allegedly, was they would hang um, pieces of meat in the trees or, like, you know, put chicken bones around the base of the tree to sort of attract these flies. Yeah. So uh, you got to have really cool neighbors if you're going to go that route, I think. Um, but it's, <laughs> it's an option. And um, the more credible response was um, when you're planting them, I guess you need to be sure that you have two different types of pawpaw for pollination to occur. So they, they seem really fussy, you know, because I had thought, oh. oh, it would be cool to grow some, but I don't know. It seems like a lot. Um, and then the, the other option was, I guess, just hand pollinating with a tiny brush, you know, like your Luther Burbank or something like that. <laughs> yeah, that that's interesting. Um, yeah, I tried to grow pawpaws when I first bought this house. I got two seedlings from the, or the local uh, soil association. Mm -hmm. And... Um, uh, they had, did not survive. Mm. And so I, I'm actually curious about your, your friend who grows them and his, how he is successful. Cause I, that neither of them did like, I, and I read about them, I guess, transplanting them is hard. Um, they don't really like that. Um, so it, it's very fascinating to hear about someone who, he who grows them. ordered his, um, and I need to find out where, and I know he's got, um, a couple different varieties and, um, honestly, you should be talking to Joe about this, but he is even less technically adept than I am. So, um, um, but he um, he doesn't really do anything to them either. But he's like a plant whisperer, so I think you know he's just been smiled on by the plant gods because um, he's told me that um, you you can plant them from seed and you know they may grow, but it's not very likely that you're gonna see any fruit from them. So I may still plant some just to you know see what happens because they've got nothing to lose and. Lots of pawpaws eating to gain. I know that one variety is the Metacomet, and I guess that that is one that um, sort of was native to Massachusetts. And the other one, he might have gotten it from like the University of Kentucky because I know they do like a huge research uh, program devoted just to pawpaws. And, um, and he may have, you know, sourced it out through some connections or something like that. Um, and I think he's got them sort of at either end of, of the garden and they just kind of they do their magic on their own. They're pretty low maintenance for him. That's super cool. Did you say one of the varieties was called Meta Comet? Meta Comet. Yeah. Um, and I'm. That's a cool name. Yeah, isn't it? I'm going to really expose my lack of knowledge about Massachusetts history, so I'm probably going to be kicked out of the state. But I believe that Meta Comet was um, a Native American chief. I believe, because um, there's a lot of other, like, um, or it might have been a tribe. I'm not 100% sure. So um, your listeners, uh, I'm sure, will, uh, okay. will How... jump in to educate me. Very good. Um, yeah, do you have any other fun facts and dazzling details about Papa? Um, well, I don't know how dazzling it is, but... Um, it is said <laughs> that uh, George Washington enjoyed them chilled as a dessert, and um, it's probably something very easy for a man with wooden teeth to eat. You know, it's very sort of low maintenance, <laughs> not a lot of chewing involved with that. And um, 
I think, oh, and if you um, ask the uh, the folks at Kentucky State University very nicely, I guess they will send you pawpaw seeds, but they're all done for this year. So I guess you got to get in early for next year. But that is something that, you know, you and your folks might want to think about. They're free. You've got nothing to lose. That's, that's very cool. Um, yeah, that's interesting. I, I uh, you know, every, every year for the last maybe three years now, I've been forging pawpaws. And I always try to keep the seeds, and then I always am, like, bad and don't plant them properly. I did plant a few this year, but I think squirrels dug them up. Uh, so we'll see if, okay. if I actually get any seedlings. So. Yeah. I, um, I know Every year I, I say I'm going to do the same thing. Do you mind if I, I share a little Papa-like story with you? Please. So, yeah, Papas, for me personally, and I was so glad to talk about them today, there kind of was this fruit that was, like, this mystery to me for so long. Like, I... I think I first learned about them. I was living in Switzerland and I somehow saw some article about this strange tropical fruit that grows in North America, which that's some people say that it it is a tropical fruit that somehow made its way north and continued to adapt in cold, cold climates. And if you look at it, it does seem kind of more like a tropical tree and fruit than, than other things. But I, I'd never seen one before. I'm mostly from the West Coast. Um, and so I was like, this sounds really cool. And so then when I moved... Uh, to Washington DC area I was like I gotta try one of these I gotta find one of these but what always happened is I just would be gone in September mm. and that's when they're ripe and what's interesting about pawpaws to me and and I think probably one reason why they're not so popular is that they're only ripe for this very short window in September they're also as you said very soft so they don't travel well mm -hmm. um and so they're not great for for capitalism. <laughs> like they, you know, they don't. They're not very commodita commoditizable, right? They're only ripe for a little bit, yeah. and you can't really ship them. So, um, and I kept missing the window, and I was every year I'd be like, "Oh no, I missed the papas again," or someone said, "I just got some at the farmers market." And I was like, "Oh no, I missed them." Um, and so then one year I was uh, I was sitting on a plane or uh, about ready to go uh, to Texas, and I and I there had been this big uh, like climate march in dc and the two women sitting next to me didn't know each other but they had just been there and we started talking about environmental issues and it's really this fun like one of those rare situations where like conversations with their seatmates on planes is enjoyable mm -hmm. <laughs> and we we're just having this great chat and in some reason papas came up and i was like oh that's so cool papas are cool uh I've, I've never had one. I've always wanted to try one. And then this woman sitting next to me reaches under. She's like, oh, I have a few. And she like reached down into her bag <laughs> and she gave me bag. a pawpaw. <laughs> yeah. She's like, yeah, I have a tree in my yard. I'm bringing a few to my friends that I'm visiting, but uh, here you can have one. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is like amazing. I had this like thing that was like something I'd only like fantasized about. And it was, so I, I was like sitting in my hotel room in Dallas at night, like carefully eating my first pawpaw ever. And I really enjoyed it. Um, and th since then, I've kind of had this like passion for them. And uh, and it was only a few years ago that I learned how to forge them, where to find them. Um, uh, and I, I had someone show me a spot, which was cool. But then I was really proud of myself last year. I tracked down my own spot that's a little bit less tra well-trafficked. Um, and, and I collect a few. And yeah, they're just a really great fun food. My favorite thing about them is that when you went to harvest them, you can only harvest them when they're ripe. You can't pull mm -hmm. them if they're not, like, they won't ripen on the counter. Right. So my favorite method is if you just shake the tree <laughs> and they come tumbling down. It's like, it's like playing a, a lot, it's like playing a slot machine. You're like, yeah. is this tree gonna, gonna, gonna pay out? So anyway, um, they're, they're really cool and, and I, I really think they're a fun fruit and I think more people should know about them. 
They really should. And I like what you said, though, about, you know, the fact that they're not a very capitalist friendly fruit because yeah, the only way you could really sell them, I think, is to, you know, to freeze them. And, and, and you know, that's it's probably an undertaking that nobody's really going to want to do. And and it's it's kind of cool that, you know, it's this thing that can go out that people can go out and forage for. And it's it's like the fruit of the people, you know, and and I do wish more people knew about them. And it would be nice if people sort of grew them locally, more people could get them at the markets. But I, I just can't get over the fact that this woman had a pawpaw in her bag on the plane, though. That's that's such a great first fruit experience <laughs> story. That's really, really awesome. Yeah, hashtag first fruit experience. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. I, I I actually wish I would have like got her contact information because she had such an impact on me. Which you know that's rare when there's like just a random person. I wish I could send her an email and say thank you. So if somehow, lady on the plane, you're hearing <laughs> this, thank you for for uh, starting me on my papa journey. We can use the power of the internet to track this woman down. So when you amass a few, um, what do you guys do with them? Do you just eat them out of hand? Do you cook with them at all, or what's your favorite way to to deal with them? So I normally just eat one or two for breakfast from the refrigerator. They're mm-hmm. nice when they're cold, just with a spoon. Really fun for breakfast. Last year, for the first time, I made like a like an ice cream mm-hmm. with them, which was pretty fun. So it was like very simple with Papa, some milk and some some honey. I'm a beekeeper, mm-hmm. so I use honey instead of sugar all the time. Mm-hmm. And um, but that's about it. What about you? What have you done with them? Um, I, so far, I've only eaten them, but I have. You've looked at my Instagram, so you know I like to get into trouble in the kitchen. And um, I have this idea where I want to try to make eclairs with pawpaws. So I'll use the the flesh of the pawpaw to make oh. a pastry cream and then um, figure out how to make eclairs. Um, that's uh, the next step. And then I'm thinking, because um, <laughs> you know how eclairs usually have like a, a chocolatey sort of glaze on them. But I feel like chocolate might be too strong for the pawpaw, mm-hmm. but I have... Um, sort of, um, it's called the blonde chocolate. It's a little bit lighter, sort of, you know, not quite white chocolate, but not as strong as milk chocolate in between. And I think like, mm, and it's mm-hmm. got almost like a biscuity flavor. And I think that'll complement the, the flavor of the pastry cream. So I'm going to give that a try. I have some um, in the freezer from last year. And then, you know, hopefully Joe will have a big harvest this year and I'll get more so I can, you know, really, you know, Go, go nuts and frivolously experiment with them. But I've been thinking about this idea for a year. And, you know, I, I really just need to try the damn thing just so I can, you know, if it works, awesome. If it doesn't, then on to the next thing. Yeah, that that's good. I mean, that's the fun thing about them, I think, because they're only ready and you have to get ready. You're only ready in September. So you have to, like, get ready to, to get them. And then you get a lot or you can get a lot, mm-hmm. you know, you, you have potential to get a ton. And you have to figure out how you're going to use them and all those plans you have for the year before. So my plan for this year is I've been making a lot of different kinds of mead lately, mm. and I want to try to make a pawpaw mead. So mixing honey, water, and pawpaw flesh and seeing what kind of fun uh, fermentations occur and, and whether that will work or not. It may not, but it could be cool. Yeah, it could be really awesome. And I mean, anybody who's had a ripe one that they haven't gotten to in time knows like those things will ferment like that. So, you know, I think, um, I mean, you could probably <laughs> just, you know, stick a straw on the pawpaw and just, you know, sip on that probably. But they, um, that sounds really awesome. I, I like this. Let This will be the year of, of crazy pawpaw cooking experiments. Yes. That's, that sounds really good. Um, the, the one, one last thing I wanted to note about pawpaws, there's probably a ton more cause they are super fascinating. Mm-hmm. But the one thing I wanted to note, which is super cool, is that they 
their primary mode of reproduction is not from the seed, but they're clonal. So, so they form these patches. And wherever you see like a few big papa trees, mm-hmm. if you look below them, there's going to be these little these little papas, and they spread through their like root systems. Maybe they're rhizomes. I'm not sure. Um, and and they come up in these patches, and that's their main way of reproduction. So it's it's a good thing if you find one. There's probably more around, and that's like your your clue uh, for finding them. At least when this when there's no fruits on the trees. When there's fruits on the trees, you can just smell them. Yeah. Which it, when it's when they're ripe, that's just also a really cool experience. If you're in the forest, you can just be like, oh, there's ripe papas nearby. That is really cool. I um, yeah, I go for a lot of walks locally, and I haven't come across any. I read that one of the ways that you can sort of identify them, especially um, you know, in September when they're starting to to when the fruit is ready, their leaves turn a really bright yellow. Um, and I also kind of got familiar with the conditions that they like to grow in, so I would like to try and find some um, you know, out in the wild. And I feel like. It's one of those things. It's like fiddleheads or ramps where people know where they are, but they guard the location jealously, you know. So I think, mm-hmm. you know, they're probably out there and, you know, there's probably, you know, some folks monitoring the, the progress of the fruit right now. And which is cool, you know, if, if you find it, you hang on to it. But I am um, I'm hoping that that someday I'll be out walking and, and, you know, smell it in the air and say, oh, there they are. There are the pawpaws. Yeah. Yeah, that it's a really it's a really magical experience. My tip for finding them is they do tend to like to grow near rivers. Mm-hmm. And so the places I've seen them in a handful of other places, but the majority of places I've seen them here in the DC area is really close to the Potomac mm-hmm. in several different places. So I first found them at a park which is mm-hmm. up in Maryland, just over the DC border. But then I was like, Hey, I should find another place. So I started looking further down in other places and looking for public parks. Along the along the Potomac, and I've had pretty good success rate of finding them uh, there. So I don't know up in your neck of the woods, like what kind of uh, uh, you know, then you know, looking along various uh, water bodies yeah. might be your uh, your key. That's a that's a good tip. I, I think I know some spots where there where there may be some. Do you uh, come across other pawpaw hunters sometimes when you're out foraging? Yeah, that's a really funny story too. So the first year I foraged, I went on this foraging class. There's a guy who does these like local foraging walks in DC, which mm-hmm. is really cool. And kind of was like, oh, this is perfect. So I was with like a whole group of people, and we're all like running through the understory <laughs> trying to find pawpaws. It was a little, it's like maybe 15 people. Um, the next year, I I went to the same spot by myself, and I was a little bit late, and I got a few pawpaws, but you could just tell there had other been people there because. The, like the whole like understory, you could see evidence of people wandering around there. So that was it when I decided I'm going to find my own spot next year. And I started kind of plotting and I did some pretty early scouting before the, um, before like any fruit were showing just mm-hmm. to like see if I could find them in some spots and found a couple potentials and then went a little bit later. And I'm going to, I should probably do that soon actually uh, to go like see how they're developing in certain spots. So I, in my new spot, I didn't run into anybody, which I was like, "This is great because maybe people don't really, don't really uh, know about them here." So that's that's pretty cool. That's really awesome, and yeah, I, I'm just imagining, you know, evidence of shaking in the trees and everything. Like, oh, they've gotten to it already. They've shaken these trees. <laughs> yeah, 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 and and well, yeah, because it's really interesting. Is when you're when you're looking at the trees, the trees can get really tall, but they never get that that thick. Yeah, it's rare to find ones that are like you know, even more than six inches thick, but they can be quite tall. Yeah, they can get to be like 20 feet tall, can't they? Yeah, yeah, but still be pretty skinny. But when you're looking up at one, 
sometimes you can't tell if there's any fruit there because the fruit blends in really well with the yeah. leaves. And uh, then if you shake it, you get lucky whether it's going to fall on your head or not. You know, I didn't even think about that. My main concern was like, they're, you know, when they're ripe, they're so soft. Are they just splitting open on the ground when you do that? And But I didn't even consider head injury. So yeah, helmets are probably um, something to carry along in your pawpaw arsenal. <laughs> Concussed by pawpaw. L- luckily, they are kind of soft. So I've never... I've never been damaged by a papa to the head, at least as far as I can tell. But yes, uh, it's the it's one of the it's one of the thrills mm. of papa hunting. Yeah, I need to go out and, and try to get some in the wild. You've inspired me, Steve. Thank you. Very good. Well, thank you. You've inspired me as well, and maybe we'll like report back on social media of uh, of our various papa experiments uh, after the papa season has occurred. That would be really awesome. Yeah, I look forward to seeing you know if you've made mead, and you know hopefully I've made eclairs and. You know, um, this, uh, this is awesome. Thank you so much for having me. I had a blast. Picking up pawpaws, put them in your pocket. Picking up pawpaws, put them in your pocket. Picking up pawpaws, put them in your pocket. Way down yonder in the pawpaw patch. And that, friends, is the sound of pawpaw uh, fruits falling from a tree. Now we have to go scatter around and find them. Is that one ripe? Yeah. Uh, no. It's not. No. Nope. Ripe. <laughs> That's the challenge of papas. They should be mostly ripe when they fall off, but not always. And and we're a little bit early we're right now. We're a little bit early. Um, yeah. And it depends. It you know it depends on the year. You know sometimes they they ripen at different times. Right now their texture is pretty. You can feel pretty hard. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know unless they're perfectly ripe, they're not really any good to be honest. Yeah, and they don't really do a good job of ripening on the counter like some fruits either, right? They they just get brown. They yeah. don't, they, they go straight to rotting. They, it's yeah, not yeah. like a banana. Um, even though the consistency is like a banana um, when you're eating them. And where we are right now is basically a ditch. Um, I, I know they, they grow along like uh, forest and creek uh, riverbanks a lot of the time, but my, I've, my, I've always had best luck in these sort of like low hole like sort of ditches and holes along the side of a road um where you know they're pretty close to the water table but i don't think i don't see any running water around here so i'm standing by another tree and the trees get quite tall but they're quite skinny they're like an under understory tree and i see a couple pop fruits up on this tree so i'm going to give this a shake theoretically if they fall they should be more uh ripe i think you know one thing happens if you shake a little too hard you can get them to fall off before they're ripe so the idea is to shake but not too hard, so let's give this a shot. Oh, oh that one that one that looks one, promising. Yeah. Mm, no. Still pretty firm. I think maybe I think maybe this patch is not quite ready yet, but but uh, we'll check back in if there's if there's uh, any more. Yeah, we can go to another patch too. Yeah, that's true. Maybe we should try that. Way down yonder in the pawpaw patch. We're in a little bit of a different forest, a little bit upstream here at a different pawpaw patch. And there is a pawpaw that, as uh, Sebi said a second ago, is Uh, uncharacteristically low. There you go. (laughs) And it is ripe. So we don't have to shake the tree this time. I'm just going to pluck it. But it fell anyway. Oh, Oh, yeah. And it is like super soft. Wow. Do you want to take the first one? Let's see. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, it's almost like it's like right there really perfect really really perfect and that's interesting because i think you know we were talking about ripening times at different times of the year and i think 
I mean, I learned something kind of, which is just that microclimate makes a big difference with pawpaws. Yeah, because those pawpaws, how many miles away is that? Maybe like 20, 30 miles away? Yeah, but you know, same basic, you know, same county in Maryland, same uh, just general area. But you know, right now we're actually really close to the river, like really close to the river. Whereas that other one was more of like kind of a lowland patch. So this is a different microclimate and it looks like that made a huge difference. Yeah, I'm gonna just reach up to this one above oh, your head. Out. See if it's the same. That one is not ripe. Okay, maybe we got lucky with Yeah, it. there's definitely somebody who is eating some papas right here though. There's an animal, there's a papa seed on the log <laughs> right here. Uh, I see another one yeah. higher up. Let's see if we can hit the jackpot. Oh, spider webs. <laughs> <laughs> you okay. know, when you're, when you're going through these thick woods in <laughs> swampy corners of Maryland, like running into uh, spider webs is pretty inevitable. Yeah, all right, here we go. Gonna see if we get these ones to fall. Nope, that was not. Nope, I don't think they're ready. No, they don't look it. Let's uh, go a little bit further they're in. They're a little pale. I th so when they're, when they're immature, they're more of like this almost like matte suede green, sort yeah. of like light green. And then when they mature, like a banana, they turn like a goldish yellow with some sort of brown and black spots. Um, and the smell is really distinctive. I mean, you can just follow your nose a lot of the time when you're hiking. There's one more bigger tree. I don't think those look ripe either, but let's see if there's any higher up. Here we go, shake it. No. Just some sticks. <laughs> Um, all right, a little bit further in, I guess, and then maybe we'll give up. Any other uncharacteristically low ones here? <laughs> that one was like really like on a silver platter. Yeah, I'm surprised that it was kind of close to the parking area. I was surprised no one else got that one already. It's like, hello. Yeah, oh, yeah and I this, see them. Uh, oh, those look more ripe up there. You see them? Yeah, they yeah, do. Right, right okay. There. Here we go, give it a shake. Oh yes. Jackpot. That's what I'm talking about. Oh yeah, those are totally ripe. Oh my God. Perfect. Okay, where do they all go? There's another one. Oh, we did pretty well. We did pretty well. These ones are a little tiny bit less ripe than this one. But, but still I think good. Ready to go, yeah. Put them in a little paper bag. That here. is awesome here. And I know there are different varieties of pawpaw. I don't know how many different varieties are did how they're distributed. Um, I personally could never tell the difference between different, I mean, a pawpaw is a pawpaw to me, kind of. Um, there you go. Oh, that, there's another one I was able to reach up and just grab right now. That one is ripe. These ones, I'm gonna reach up. I don't think they are. I think I just learned from Yosebi the visual aspect of when they're ripe or not. Yeah. They're right there. If they're that just pure matte green, they aren't, but if they got that little more yellow, that's cool. All right, well, let's see if we can find one more tree to shake. Yeah. And then uh, this is the wrap up the episode. Here. Yeah, this is this is quite a bit. And this this town we're in is called Akokeek. Um, in uh, we're in Prince George's County in Maryland, and uh, the word Akokeek means place of the wild fruit. So interesting. In in, in the Piscataway language. Oh, cool. So this this uh, this town is literally named, like, 
after the pawpaws. All right, let's just give. Uh, doesn't look right either. I'm gonna give this tree one shake here and let's see what happens. Nothing. All right, well, I think I think we did pretty good here, uh, everybody. We've got about six pawpaws. I think maybe I have to come out a little bit longer, but thanks for listening and uh, talk to you on another episode. My guest on this episode of Rootbound was Tara Gorman. Tara is a photographer and fruit miner in Western Massachusetts. You can see some of Tara's incredible photography on her Instagram, which is at your underscore waitress. There will be a link in the show notes. Special thanks this episode to my friend Sebi Medina Tayak, a member of the Piscataway Indian Nation, a state-recognized tribe in Maryland. Sebi, I promise I won't share your secret pawpaw patches. Rootbound is hosted by the pawpaw-obsessed Steve Ellington. That is me. Music by Christian Kriegeskota. Fake ads by David Lonnie. Rootbound is a podcast about plants for when you're stuck inside. But if you can go outside, you could pick a bunch of pawpaws and put them in your pocket. Don't. Touch. That. Plant.